0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Greatest Mixtape Podcast. My name is Eric. And I am Mac. And uh, today we're going to be talking about a very special tape, perhaps a mixtape, if you will. A mixtape that was (laughs) the actual
1: inspiration for this little podcast here. Uh, When we first started talking about doing it, the concept of the mixtape, obviously, was on our minds. And there's one mixtape in particular that you, Eric, uh, created back in the, I'm going to say, early 90s. Definitely early 90s, yeah. Details back then are a little fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Definitely Mm -hmm. early 90s. That's fair. And, you know, something a lot of people did during that time, you know, making mixtapes was kind of an art form. Um, and putting together, you know, a flow and just you know a great listening experience for yourself and whoever you gave the tape to.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a um a lost art form. I mean, anybody can make playlists now and share them with their friends and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, you you gotta realize when we say mixed tapes, th- these were actual cassette tapes. You had to sit at a stereo, a dual cassette deck, or a cassette deck with a CD player or a record player. And play these things and hit stop and rewind it and take the pencil and stick it in the wheel. And anybody over 40 knows what I'm talking about. And, you know, rewind the tape a little bit to get the songs tighter and all this stupid shit. And it it took I mean, it took hours to put together, you know, not just not just the curating of the songs coming up with cool shit to slap together. But I mean, the actual physical act of making the tape because it was all in real time. There was no dragging and dropping. Right. And you had to put so much thought into it because it did
1: take so much of your time. So, you know, as far as the flow of the songs and the mood of the tape, like you couldn't wait till you were done to go, oh, this doesn't work. No, by then you've already invested four hours trying to get this shit done. Exactly. In advance, you had so much planning to do and you had to like just nail it as far as what you wanted on that tape.
0: Yeah. Like I said, there was no, oh, let me go back and flip track five and six i think six would sound better in the five slot or whatever no 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 you had to you know not only get out your notebook and your pen and paper and all that and write down songs and come up with ideas you had to listen to it first and make sure it worked you know because there was no going back like you said and and, right. and changing things around and editing and you know i mean unless you just wanted to start over you know right and yeah. nobody wants to do that and, and and the coolest part of this story for me is that um you still remember this tape so vividly. I admittedly used to make a lot of tapes back in the day. And um, especially the early nineties, we were fresh out of high school, there was so much going on musically. I kind of went nuts with all of this new stuff that I was being exposed to. And I wanted to share it with my friends. You know, uh, I was discovering like the new the new school of like hip hop that was coming out and like all these like hybrid bands. There was, you know, hip hop and metal were, were starting to come together. And, you know, the, these new kind of spin off genres were popping up and industrial was taking hold and just all this new stuff. And and I, I couldn't you know, wait to share it with people. And so, yeah, I was making a lot of tapes back then. And, uh, and then, you know, not too far after, you know, it was CDs, but I mean, yeah, that this is, this is a, an actual mixed tape, like a yeah. cassette tape. Do you still have the tape by any chance? Like, is it in a I, vault somewhere? I <laughs> don't. And I trust me,
1: I looked everywhere. I still have some cassette tapes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but not this one because I think I played it to death, where it just wore out. It probably
0: disintegrated one yeah, day.
1: Because I, you said I remember you giving it to me one night, you know, when we were out, you know, and saying, "Tomorrow in the car, listen to this, check it out." And nice. I had a long drive ahead of me the next day, and I just played it nonstop for hours, dude. It's awesome. I listening to all these, just like you said, it, it was an exciting time because we were kind of coming out of that 80s metal, you know, where we yes, we were always going to be metal fans, but sure, I, sure, I was kind of stuck in a rut at that point, and then you introduced me to all these new genres of music that i probably wouldn't have been turned on to it may have taken me another five years but you got me in right you know at the ground level when all this was happening so it was really exciting all this different music coming out like you said industrial punk, hip-hop just the alternative movement like everything about it was just so fresh and new yeah that tape like changed like my life's musical trajectory you know once i got that i started listening to that. i am like okay so
0: much more out there that's so dope man i love that i'm blushing <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's worth pointing out too that like at this point like the the grunge thing hadn't really taken hold yet oh. either like it was starting to bubble but it wasn't you know uh the the smells like teen spirit thing had not happened yet so right, i mean um good, yeah, yeah I, I, and I, i've got the track list in front of me uh thank you for sending me that and it's uh I'm just I'm just grinning like going down this list because I mean this is some good shit if I do say so <laughs> myself and I didn't write the songs so it's not like I'm taking credit for the songs but it's it's a fun mix man it's really cool
1: yeah I, and, it, and and we'll get into the tracks here in, in a minute but it, it kind of weaves its way in and out you know the different genres it doesn't stick to one thing I'm, I'm ready to jump in because I I just rem- I remember the songs I remember the flow I remember everything about that tape so let's let's get into it and talk about some of these tracks.
0: Well, right out of the gate, and uh, and again, uh, the the early '90s, admittedly, are, are fuzzy for me. Uh, one because it was a very long time ago, and B other reasons. Um, but uh, I remember, I do remember specifically. I actually wanted to use this song on every mixtape I made because it was just so goddamn perfect for a mixtape. Because it opens with a woman speaking Spanish. It's this monologue that, like, you know, intros the song. And if you didn't speak Spanish, you're like, "What the fuck is this chick talking about?" Um, but if you did speak Spanish, it made total sense to you. I didn't speak Spanish, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a great, weird, obscure little intro to start up right. the tape. So,
1: and, and we're talking
0: about Stop by Jane's Addiction. Absolutely. And after that,
1: that just super cool intro, you know, <laughs> and then here we go, and off
0: that, that song just takes off like a rocket, man. But yeah. again,
1: it was such a different sound than what we were used to hearing oh yeah
0: definitely sonically
1: yeah. lyrically it just yeah right and that was off ritual so yeah you know that nothing shocking had had flown right by me like I wasn't even aware of that at the time. yeah I so yeah, was yeah. Still kind of you know hyper focused in that metal world yeah so stop was my that was my introduction to Jane's addiction that's cool there went back
0: yeah and of course fell in love with nothing shocking it's kind of a double edged sword when you when you come on board to a band you know one or two albums into their career that you end up really falling in love with because on one side you're kind of like oh man i'm bummed that i wasn't you know on this from the jump like oh my god this would have been amazing to have been on this ride for the whole time but it's also cool at the same time to go back and discover stuff because now instead of like hearing one album and falling in love with it and then waiting two years for the next record to come out right you know you can go back and you've got two or three records lined up that you can just immerse yourself in and, uh, and, and have all that in one, you know, short time you can experience that whole thing. And it's like binge watching television now, you know right. what I mean? You don't have to wait week to week for the episode to come out. You can just enjoy it all in one shot. And so that was kind of the cool thing of coming into a band a little bit later, but yeah, it, you do kind of have that, that, uh, that attitude of like, man, I, I, I kind of wish I'd been on board since the beginning, but either right. way. I mean,
1: Talk about a great song, though, to get you into Jane's Addiction. Yeah, totally. Because it's kind of heavy. Yeah. There's great musicianship there. And then Perry's vocals are just, you know, outstanding and then there's that sort of dreamy floaty little breakdown Mid- middle, in the middle section sure yeah you know and that just kind of just everything about it was like that's like the you know the archetype right there that's the jane's addiction song right there
0: yeah yeah really right. was, you know yeah that, you know all their strength right there and uh i yeah i had been on them for a little bit before ritual de lo habitual came out which was their second studio album their, th- their third release but and that came out in 1990 uh nothing shocking which was the album the studio album that came out before that was released in 88 and i remember being in in high school, and there was a like another long hairs were we were kind of like we hadn't taken over yet, uh, at least in my high school. So there was like another long haired dude that was a year older than me, and um, we used to talk music a lot. And uh, he kind of turned me on to Jane's around the time of um, of nothing shocking, but even then, like, I don't want to say it was it was scary to me, it was just it was a little bit weird. Like I dug it and I, it's kind of like seeing a horror movie for the first time where you're kind of like, I, I, I like this, but I'm still a little bit put off by it. I don't know if I just want to jump fully into this yet. Like, I'm, you know, you watch your first horror movie and then maybe it takes you six months to watch another one. Um, <laughs> it was kind of like that. I was like, I dig this, but it's a little bit weird, man. Cause I mean, at, up till that point I was listening to Motley Crue and, you know, white snake and bands like that, which, you know, still love that stuff, but it was, it was a little bit, a little bit too out there yeah initially for me as a high schooler and then about about my senior year about the time we were graduating i i think was when i really started to grab onto that record and then you know the following year ritual comes out and just yeah it was it was uh it was an amazing amazing record amazing series of records and then they just kind of like imploded yeah for a while as many amazing but, bands do i think they're not the first
1: they're one of the first bands that i was exposed to that i actually looked at as artists yeah yeah. you know whereas you know i'd been you know again not taking away from anything else but i i never viewed that at that point in my life or recognized the art in a lot of music until jane's and then i went oh man these guys are legit artists
0: i mean yeah everything was thought out everything was woven together you know and when i say thought out the 80s bands were thought out as well but it was just a formula Right. you know, and everybody was doing the same thing. And I think that's kind of why we all got tired of it at, at some point, And we're looking for something new. Jane's was thought out in a way that like the look of the band was just as important as the sound and the sound was just as important as the album cover and the album cover was just as important as the promotion and everything. One element of the art was not more important than the rest. And to that I think that's what you're speaking to. I think when you say like they were artists, everything meant something It all was important and they had something to say, you know, there,
1: there, there was a message in the music. Yeah. You know, it wasn't so much about the party life anymore. And, you know, it was speaking about real things and speaking about the earth and speaking about, you know,
0: I mean, I mean, stop. That's what that's about. It's about, you know, just us. Perry was kind of ahead of his time, man. I mean, he was talking about shit back then that is very relevant today. I mean, that song, if you listen to it, Lyrically, he's talking about the environment. He's talking about the damage we're doing to the planet, and how certain segments of the population just don't give a shit, and right. they're just not going to. And that's very relevant today. I mean, that song, yeah, it could have been written six months ago. Yeah, you know? right.
1: So, and in case you were wondering, that was I had to
0: open up a tube of toothpaste for my daughter. That's that little interruption <laughs> was. I, I saw the. I saw the. You were looking off off screen a little bit, and there was a pause there. I figured something was going on. <laughs>
1: I, but my favorite part was I put the hand up to say like you know go have mom do it and she didn't go anywhere she just sat there looking at me like just staring at you <laughs> yeah come on asshole take care of this
0: yeah the, the Mr. Podcaster pause yeah. for a second to Mr. open Mr. my goddamn Mr. toothpaste Fancy microphone yeah you <laughs> anyway too funny um,
1: but and again so like you know back to that sort of sort of artistic movement happening at that time you go to track two on the mixtape another band I had zero familiarity with I hadn't even <laughs> heard of this band until yeah. this mixtape, and that's Nine Inch Nails. The track was "Head Like a Hole" off Pretty Hate Machine. So I mean, again, just even that this, that, that this little intro. Yeah, yeah you, know, yeah. you still hear that, and you know, you know exactly what you're going to hear. You know that song, but at the time, again, you're like, you know, that the whole electronic movement or just electronic thing involved at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it wasn't like that was like it wasn't like EDM or something, but it was still it was an electronic element to everything. Sure. You know, Trent was doing which was kind of mind blowing at the time where you're kind of resisting it like bullshit, like play some instruments, but at the same yeah. time, you can't deny how great it sounded. Oh, absolutely. You know, and just his his vision, his lyrics, yeah. the beats, everything about it. Like that again, just new as far as like your mind, my mind hearing that on this drive for eight hours in a car, hearing that for the first time going, what? What is
0: happening? <laughs> why, why do I like this? Why is this so good? It's so noisy. Why is it so noisy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, 9-inch Nails um and and what's funny is that at that point when when I gave you this tape, that song was already a few years old. I mean, right. Pretty Hate Machine came out in uh late 89 and uh and Head Like a Hole was the first release off of off of that. And not like it had like huge chart-topping hits or anything like that. I mean, you know, that that album went largely unnoticed for quite a while. I discovered them just as a teenager staying up far too late watching tv you know uh hadn't quite committed to being an adult yet took many years before i did still not sure i'm there yeah, um, but yeah but yeah <laughs> 120 minutes man um and, and a lot of the music that was on 120 minutes i didn't really care about because some of the some of the alternatives i hadn't really embraced at that point um but every every like three or four videos i'd go ooh. <laughs> you know, what's yeah. this? And uh, I remember seeing head like a hole and just being like, "What the fuck? This is so cool!" And yeah. and and much to your point, I was kind of the same way because in the mid to late 80s a lot of the stuff we were listening to keyboards were the devil right you now it was guitar based drums and that was it man you know um, you know you maybe gave like Deep Purple a pass because they were like the old guys but other than that man keyboards were not part of you know what we listen to and blah blah it's if it's got keyboards it's not heavy because we you know we, if, if it had keyboards it was Bon Jovi or it was right. you know like the lighter right. side of what we listened to and we were, we were very dismissive of that <laughs> um, and then here comes this band Nine Inch Nails it's like all keyboards it's all programmed drums it's all you know keyboards it's and it was just and it was just as heavy if not heavier than so much of the stuff we were listening to right right some of those big riffs come in you're like Shit, my god this this is yeah heavy and uh and i'll tell you what man i i i because i'm that guy i have it on vinyl god i hate to even say it. it just sounds douchey saying it but um <laughs> right? i swear i'm not that musical asshole i'm not but uh but i do enjoy i enjoy the vinyl what can i say and barring like some sonic thing, you can tell it's an older record when you put it on. Yeah. But from a songwriting standpoint, dude, those songs hold yeah. up, man. That album is still amazing. Obviously, he's grown as an artist and he's gotten so much better at his craft. But that album's fucking brilliant, man. Yeah. Start to finish. It's, it's fucking amazing. Um,
1: so what's interesting is, again, you know, I, I'm thinking about, you know, you putting this mixtape together because a <laughs> yeah. lot of it, you know, song to song is different you know, genres bouncing around. But here you you hung tight with the sort of industrial sort of electronic programmed and you attract track three, NWO by ministry.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure I, I I'm not gonna lie, man again. Fuzzy. Not sure what the uh, the thought process was. I, I it made sense at the time. But yeah, I did. I went I I, I hung out in the industrial zone for at least two songs there. Back to back, not sales in sales and ministry, yeah.
1: And I, and again,
0: never heard ministry. But
1: again, I'm just listening to this song. And for years, again, until that tape just burned out, even if I owned all the CDs, I still played that tape because the songs were in a certain order, like in my head. Yeah, like if I'm yeah. The, like if I was listening to Psalm 69, right, and I hear NWO, I'm waiting for the next song in the mixtape to come on. Right. Not the next <laughs> song on the album to come on, you know? That's um, cool. So, yeah, that's why that, that tape just hung around because I just, I loved them in that order. I, you know, I love the flow. But again, just obviously, because
0: turning... you, you still remember the track list, dude, and that, that blows my mind still. All right, just
1: again, turning me on to ministry again was another
0: sort of like, what the? fuck is this
1: you know it was so hard that's so heavy but oh my god it's so heavy and and, you know the samples you know yeah you hear george bush you hear dennis hopper from apocalypse now you hear all kinds of crazy shit and then and then just the repetitive nature of the riff and the beat which you think at some point you'd get bored of and want something but no like that song ends and i i couldn't do like five minutes more of that like
0: yeah totally
1: Right. I the song's long enough as it is, but yeah. You know, you're how many minutes in you're like, "Okay, could this go for like another 10 cuz I could yeah, do another
0: 10." Give me the 24-minute like club <laughs> mix and I'm totally happy with it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those riffs, man. It's not like even that it's like super complicated or anything. It's just so heavy and so pummeling and the beat's so cool and yeah, I yeah I agree with you, man. That that song could be 30 minutes long and I'd be okay with it yeah you know,
1: and again, the introduction to Alex Jorgensen and everything coming out of that man's brain, you know, yeah, you know I you know that album, the one before, the one after, like. You know that span like he's just coming up with some just fantastically brilliant shit yeah um, for sure yeah like a cre- just a creative peak for him yeah but again it's just you know even the rest of that album psalm 69 and you know jesus built my hot rod and you know, just one fix like all those yeah. you know every one of them that signature just driving beat so for a metalhead to just to hear just that constant you know there's no solos yeah, right you know, right there's no background vocals there's no chorus it's just <laughs> just now <laughs> punching you in the face for 3 or 4 minutes
0: yeah yeah and just and yeah he like and he gives you these little like all right i'm going to let you take a breath for about 5 seconds right and then like everything just kind of hangs on one note and then dun, 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 it starts over again right. and then it starts punching you in the face again. And <laughs> it's just, yeah, his, yeah. his whole approach to music and it's changed over the years. I mean, especially if you go way back in the ministry catalog, I mean, they were like synth pop when they started, right, right. they were not, it, it, they were not what you thought they were whatever that, that football quote is. Yeah. <laughs> they are not who we <laughs> thought they were. Um, Yeah, they got really, really heavy and Al got really, really crazy, but made just some brilliant music and still making brilliant music, man. I I saw them on this most recent tour and just, I mean, dude's like 120 years old at this point and he's still just killing it and he's still awesome. I know
1: that. That's I put them on my list of regrets that I've never seen Ministry.
0: Oh man, yeah, yeah man. definitely, definitely. If they do another leg of this, or the, he'll probably put out another record and tour again. But yeah, he plays enough of the old stuff, you know, to keep you keep you interested, and and the new stuff is is killer too, man. It's yeah. really really good. So if you're not a Ministry fan, you should be one, and and definitely go see them live. They're they're just awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody
1: listening, go back and check them out. Check out Land of Rape and Honey oh yeah. yeah mine is Incredible. a terrible
0: thing to taste Just yes. so many good records But start start with the Psalm 69 record. I think I think that's the best jumping off point, because, again, if you go back in the catalog, it gets lighter as you go back, which is Mm -hmm. strange. And then if you go forward, it gets a little bit even weirder, believe it or not, after uh, after the Psalm 69 record. I think I think he was doing a little too many drugs at that point. And then it gets really like thrashy, like some of the newer stuff is really I mean, it's still that industrial, you know, driving repetitious stuff but i mean it gets it gets borderline thrashy in places um And so, even,
1: I want to say, sometime in the mid 2000s,
0: Rio Grande Blood. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Album, I love that album. That's a great record, man. All about, about George Bush and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of conspiracy yeah. theories and shit. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I um, was yeah, a little kooky in that world too, but. Yeah. Not but, like I and mean, on stuff, but but he's, yeah, he's yeah. definitely got opinions about the government.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. But I mean, <laughs> the, the music, it, it reminded me of Psalm 69, as far yeah, as. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a great think, record. And you might know better than me, but I think, didn't Joey Jordison play on that album?
0: I'd have to go back. Back and check if he played on the record. He definitely toured you're with right. them around that time. Um, yeah. mm, that's a good question. I would have to I'd have to look that up. I think you're right. I'd have to I look think he that toured up. with them. I don't he know definitely he toured was. with them because I, yeah. I was pissed. I never I was never able to see that tour and uh, I wanted to see Joey play with them so bad. It just didn't work out either. Yeah. I wasn't around. They didn't come near me, whatever it was. I just never saw it. But um, he might have played some of it. But yeah, definitely, definitely toured with them. Yeah. Yeah. Great, great shit. Okay. So
1: now Eric throws you a curveball on a <laughs> mixtape. Because you go from Head Like a Whole, Nine Inch Nails, NWO by Ministry, <laughs> to Deeper Shade of Soul by the Urban Dance Squad. <laughs> it's still, to this day, just a, just a fucking awesome jam. I mean, I love that song. I, I love that song as well. I love the feel of that song. I love the flow yeah. of that song. Like I hear that opening, you know, the, the little drum intro. Yeah, I I'm just, a smile comes so on my face. Like I just, yeah.
0: i magically transported somewhere happy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, man. I love that. I love that. They were they were a goof. And again, man, just another drunk late night watching MTV and this band came on. I was like, what is this? Right. And it was so cool. It was this like laid back SoCal skater hip hop funk rock blend. It was so weird. But oh, my God, what a great song.
1: Right. Just black guys, white guys. Like it was just, yeah. you know, and it
0: was because it was, a, that was kind of a, a different thing at the time. Like that you didn't see too much of that. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of that in heavier music. Well, not that there's heavy, but I mean, but just contemporary rock. Yeah. You yeah. Know, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of that. And there at was that, that whole point. sort of skater vibe. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, yeah. The and, whole video, they're like in a skate park, like right, riding right. ramps and, and <laughs> pools and stuff. And like, and of course, you know, obviously the great sample of Deeper Shade of
1: Soul. Yeah. But still just, I, I love the, just the lyrics in, just the different elements that
0: are blended into that song—a little bit of rock, there's some horns, yeah. You know, there's some hip hop, and, and like you said, the sampling is amazing. And yep. It just it just blends together so well, and just makes something so cool. Again, it, anybody who hears that song, it'll make you happy. Yeah. So if you don't know it deeper shade of
1: soul by Urban Dance Squad, and I think actually you told me once because I went and checked this out after you mentioned it, they were
0: actually because that song was like real chill, kind of mellow. Yeah. But they had a like an edgier, harder side for sure. Well, yeah. The album it, it actually it came out in 1990 it's called it's a great album title too it's uh mental floss for the globe yeah that's what it's called and um it's funny listening to it at the time i mean deeper shade of soul was definitely the standout track because it was the it was the the kind of odd you know track because some of the stuff was a little edgier a little heavier i mean it wasn't all like you know in your face but uh a few years later this band comes along and 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 i'm like wow their sound is very familiar um, amazing band. Absolutely love them. But it kind of kind of made me tilt my head a little bit like but it does sound familiar to me. And then one day I, I went back and, and was listening to uh Urban Dance Squad and realized, oh, my God, they were kind of doing. And again, I'm not trying to say one's better than the other, or anything, but like they were kind of doing a Rage Against the Machine thing before there was a Rage Against the Machine. And that's why when Rage came out, I was kind of like, Man, I love them. I, I instantly yeah. fell in love with that band. But there was something about them that I'm like, as fresh and new as it is, there's something familiar. And I realized, oh my god, going back and listening to to Urban Dance Squad, that um, yeah, they were kind of doing a, a funky, heavy, hip hoppy, you know, thing with like kind of rapped vocals over heavier, you know, guitar driven, you know, music. I, I was blown away, man. So yeah, if you go back and listen to that album, you're, you you'll hear some some kind of. I, I think they were. I've never heard any of them say it, but in my world, uh, they, I, I think they were an influence on, on Rage. Mm-hmm. At least, sure. Like I said, at least in my head, that that works. Well, I mean, if you say it, it's true. So <laughs> That's That's right. A- I'll just keep saying it until everybody believes me. <laughs> until you get sued by, you know, Tom Morello. <laughs> Tom Morello. <Relative. laughs> I get a cease and desist from Tom Morello. Stop saying that. Stop saying that shit.
1: <laughs> but, you know, back to that, to the mixtape. So now we've, we've kind of come into this commodity industrial. You've come into the deeper shade of soul. Some touches, you know, some little bit of hip hop in that. Dip song. in the toe pop, a little pop, bit. And then that leads to so that song was your bridge. And then you go right into straight out of compton by NWA. Like yes. You know, a nice little little bridge into holy shit, this is some <laughs> this is some <laughs> hardcore shit right here. Yeah. And again, of course of course I'd heard of NWA, but I never bothered to give them a list. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I was kind of stuck in that sort of small mindset of believing what the media was telling me, believing what, you know, other white people were telling me that, you know, this is bad. You can't listen to this. These guys are just thugs. They're just, you know, but then you give it a listen repeatedly over and over on this (laughs) thing. And then you start, oh, I start paying attention to what they're actually saying. Yeah. You know, aside from just flat out, just dope beats and Oh my God. And just amazing MC skills. Yeah. What are they saying? And are they saying something that I can listen to and understand and learn from? Or is it something that people are telling me that I'm here yeah so yep. the, like the more you listen to it oh shit these guys are real they're saying something and that's part of this again this tape there's a lot of artists that I hadn't been exposed to again I'm still stuck in the metal thing it's either you know a party life or beating the shit out of somebody in the mosh pit that's right yeah as opposed to somebody actually saying something or me giving them a chance listening to them saying something and then hearing straight out of Compton from something that prior to that I just couldn't relate to it's deep
0: it's yeah dude, well and 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 full disclosure man like i i I got into n w a because of the beats, man. I mean, I'm a drummer. So when I heard, I mean, and I always, when I was a little kid, I I loved hip hop music when I was a little kid um, before I discovered, you know, metal and hard rock. And uh, I always loved, always attracted to the beats and the drumming. And I just love, I could just listen to that sound days, you know? And that was my first reaction when I heard NWA was just the production and the samples. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my God, this shit is fucking just killer, man. And, uh, and, and scary too. Man, again, talk about just, you know, hearing new things that were a little bit edgy and and outside your comfort zone was a little bit unnerving. But, you know, and I think I I, I might have mentioned this in in other episodes, too, but I think that's what always attracted people like you and I to heavier music. Uh, And when I say heavy, I don't necessarily just mean metal either, just like heavy, deep, you know, is that, you know, a a little bit of scary is cool, man. It's attractive. You know, it's the same reason we like horror movies and we like all that kind of stuff is, you know, they're on the album cover pointing guns at the camera and shit. Right. They're doing interviews in the studio with like AKs in their laps and shit. <laughs> but at the time, man, you know, it just made it extra scary. It freaked people out, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, and again, you look back at that time, both you
1: know the music industry and just probably America in general needed that. Like, yeah, absolutely. We exist. This is real. Yeah. You know, we're here. So I think, yeah.
0: you know, just, you know, that, that album, that out of content just yeah. yeah it was brilliant it was absolutely brilliant and it was and you're right it was it was the country needed that man i yeah. mean just all good art form whenever the powers that be get freaked out by it and try to squash it you're doing something right so whatever yeah. it is man keep doing it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so
1: let's stay on it with the theme here of sticking it to the man on the on mixtape, <laughs> mixtape side one track six killing in the name by raging at the machine which, yes which has become you know the the, the anthem <laughs> Um, Oh, my God. Yeah, right. Yeah, again at the time yeah you know again first time I'd ever heard it and again it's in your face it's making you look at yourself in the mirror as a country mm-hmm. right and again just I'm sure like if I'd lived through the 60s you know there were some some artists out there trying to do the same thing you know exposing what's going on with you know with racism or the Vietnam War or yeah um, just all these different things that they wanted people to understand and know about yeah but it was never done this way
0: well it was too subtle right you know I you know I grew up hearing you know bob dylan and people like that that were you know and i didn't even know that some of these songs were like anti-war songs i'm like i don't even know what the hell this guy's talking about right you know yeah (laughs) rage dude none of that in in case you're wondering what we're talking about (laughs) right yeah they they uh yeah there's nothing subtle in their message and and you weren't gonna miss it and it's yeah
1: right i mean just that whole album is just you know taking shots at those in charge taking shots at the, you know the clan taking shots at yeah. you know policies and just de- of various causes just all the way through the album <laughs> but it, but it, just in your face but yeah again the beats the riffs heavy and that rhythm section still to me oh, one, one of the best rhythm sections in the history yeah of, of hands music. down yeah hands down uh, brad wilk mm-hmm. just I don't know, it, it's hard to get much better than the two of them together yeah for sure but um and then zach and his lyrics and his delivery you know so at the time everybody knows that song now everybody knows killing in the name but when it first came out it was
0: a big fucking deal yeah yeah and it was shocking yeah um, well i mean yeah and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about at this point if you're if you've been under a rock and you don't know this song he literally screams fuck you i won't do what you tell me for what like 35 seconds or something yes over and over over again over and over i mean again nothing subtle about this whatsoever yeah, But yeah, it was important, man. It needed to be said. It needed to be said loud, and right. they did it. And then you got a guy like, like Tom Morello, <sighs> basically
1: a, a DJ with a guitar. Yeah, you know, the solos anyway. Yeah. But as far as being a riff master, holy shit. Riff after riff. I mean, every one of their albums is just- Yeah, you, he's you, a monster. You you just he's groove. a monster. Yeah.
0: Um, is yeah I mean the guy does amazing things he he's a I mean total innovator on the guitar and and invented techniques I mean he was kind of another Eddie Van Halen where like he did things that nobody had ever really heard before yeah. um on the guitar and and I remember when that album came out and 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 being around you know guitar players that were like Oh man, no, that's, that's like a studio trick or blah, blah, blah. Like everybody was like, cause they didn't, they couldn't figure out what he was doing. So it must be studio trickery, you know? And no man, go see him live. He was doing all that shit live and it was, it was so dope. But again, yeah, it was like you said, it was a great way of putting it. Like he was kind of like a DJ with a guitar, man. It was super cool. But, but again, the, the flashy, crazy sounds and stuff that he made didn't overpower his ability to write a killer fucking riff, dude. Right. And, and, and hundreds of them. Yes. Just every song on every record has a killer riff. I'm like, dude's like Tony iomi I'm like, just, just sits down and riffs just fall out of him. Right. And he sneezes and it's a fucking yeah. amazing just, guitar riff. Like, yeah, just farts out a riff. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <Just> farts <laughs> out a riff, dude. He's like, yeah. I mean, he's, he's that kind of, uh, you know, prolific artist, and they're all amazing, man. Just yeah. so cool. Great band, great yep. album, great addition to
1: to the mixtape. So then we lighten it up a little bit. So <laughs> we close outside one with a close outside one here, track seven. With you know, all right. People might say you know it's not the most artistically uh, you know valid uh, song. It may not be the most complex <laughs> rhyme schemes. It's maybe you know a little sophomore. Hey,
0: I'm I'm, uh, I'm gonna say they are uh, underappreciated. I won't say underrated. But I will say underappreciated. Yes. And the song is Put On Your Shit Kickers <laughs> by the House of Pain. Absolutely, man.
1: Just a great jam. I mean, obviously everyone do jump around, you know, from the same album. But buried on that album is this great track.
0: I found. mean, it's a fun little song, man. I mean, it is.
1: I mean, Personally, one of my favorite favorite lyrics is just I'm laying out pools like kitchen tile. I mean, I just <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: listening to the song today. And I heard that line. And I'm just
1: laughing in the car, just giggling, like it's so great. Yeah,
0: and uh, one of our one of our best friends growing up, Scott. I, I anytime I hear that song, I just I picture <laughs> and I hear Scott in my head because there's this little part in the song where he says, "Every time I go to town, and Danny Boy, the hype man goes town behind him, <laughs> and people start kicking my dog around." It makes no difference if my dog's a hound. hound. You hear him in the back. And Scott will do that line every time and it just, I don't know why, but it fucking kills me dude i cannot not laugh i just thinking about him doing it cracks me up dude. so uh yeah that's that's a good one man and i and again i say underappreciate it i know that jump around (laughs) that that they were kind of like i mean almost on the same level as like what limp biscuit became like they got really corny and played out and jump around it but dude i don't give a shit dude 30 40 whatever how many years later go to a football game go to a baseball game You're going to hear jump around, dude, and people still get up and actually jump around. So it's a great song. Go to a wedding reception. You're going to hear jump around. And guess what? Everybody's going to be on the dance floor jumping around. That song um,
1: will still be relevant in another 30 years.
0: Absolutely, man. Yeah. And, and the album as a whole is just, it's fun, man. It's a, it's a fun yeah. record. Um, Top of the morning the, to you. Oh like, my God. Yeah. even tracks on yes. that album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fun. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's white boy rap. It is what it is. But, but yeah, it's got some cool stuff on there. And of course, and, and again, Limp Bizkit, you know, Lethal went on to yeah. be yeah. a part of Limp Bizkit. But um, most of the production on that record is done by, if I'm remembering correctly, who had a mugs? hand in it? Muggs had a hand in a lot of that. Um, from from Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill always has some of the best samples and in, in, in loops and hooks. Yeah. So yeah, man. If, if you're a fan of Cypress Hill and you're not messing with House of Pain, dude, you're missing out. That's it, it, yeah. that's that's a good record.
1: It's fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It was a great way to finish out side one. Of that mixtape because everything on up to that point fairly heavy, yeah, pretty you know, heavy, both yeah. musically and lyrically, and yeah, you know, and then kind of end on a, a little bit more of a cheery note, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A little good <laughs> put on me. your shit kickers and kicks, <laughs> all right. That is side one <laughs> of the OG greatest mixtape, uh, courtesy of my friend Eric. That was uh, awesome, man. That was a good time, yeah, dude. I love reliving that tape, and oh, um, yeah, you know, we got to put this playlist together, so yeah, for sure, definitely can check out these songs for sure, and you know, normally you would probably do side two of the mixtape as our next episode but who knows when the fuck we'll get to it so i don't well
0: and and nobody you know we (laughs) we could have made this one episode but nobody wants to listen to us drone on and on for three fucking hours so right we'll we'll, we'll do one side at a time just for you know the sake (laughs) of our our listeners (laughs) Awesome. So
1: that's, hey, that's that's the episode. And uh, you can catch us on the socials. We are on Instagram at The Greatest Mixtape Podcast. On Twitter or X or whatever the fuck whatever it's called. Whatever the fuck it's called this week. We are at Greatest Mixtape. You can email us at TheGreatestMixtapePodcast at gmail.com. But, uh, but be kind. We're We're fragile.
0: We um, are fragile and yeah. very sensitive. Call us on our bullshit, man. Um we don't script this stuff, man. We have a rough idea what we're gonna talk about. So we could we could screw up dates, we could screw up the pronunciation of a name or anything like that. So uh yeah, reach out and you know. Tell us we're full of shit, man. That's totally cool. We'll uh, we'll fix it. We have no problem admitting when we're wrong. So oh god,
1: yeah, we'll shut you out if you call us on our bullshit.
0: Absolutely, I wouldn't have made it this far in life if I had a problem with uh, being wrong. <laughs> uh,
1: but hey, also just wanted—we're picking up some listeners from all over the U.S. Hell yeah, and all over the world. So I just wanted to give a shout out. Um, you know, on our platform, our hosting platform, we can see we have listeners in you know Atlanta, Naples, Florida, Council Bluffs, Iowa, coming back, Norfolk, nice. Virginia, San Francisco, Boston, Charlotte nashville providence and we're taking this shit international
0: we are global baby <laughs> spain
1: belgium what's up brussels you know what it popped in my head. you think it's jean-claude van damme dude
0: if it were i i could just die a happy man now that'd yeah, be amazing he's the
1: muscles from brussels
0: yeah he is the muscles from brussels and uh i, I think he's a metal fan too and you know what the, i just made that up he might not be
1: the listeners that we do have in belgium right now our population isn't going these fucking idiot Americans right 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 right. yeah they're like yeah we don't
0: we don't we don't claim him <laughs>
1: Well, I love you, Belgium. I love you, chocolate. And I've been oh, here yeah an awesome place. Uh, UK, Denmark, Austria, Germany, Indonesia, Zambia. Zambia. Yes, we're in Zambia.
0: Hell yeah.
1: Um, so thanks to everyone who's out there who's listening. We appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much, man. That's awesome. Well,
0: on that note, man, thanks again for hanging out with us. Hope uh, we didn't scare you away and you come back again. And uh, once again, this is the Greatest Mixtape Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm Mac. And we are out of here. Thanks again. Yeah.